Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to keep up with the stats, storylines, players, games, everything else that's going on in the world of international and pro volleyball. Today, the focus is on that exciting first round of the Men's Volleyball Nations League, just finished. So nice to be back in international volleyball season. Even if some of the teams were a bit limited, we were missing a few stars, but it still turned out to be a very exciting and very fun weekend of volleyball. Before we get too far into that though, there are a couple of transfers to go over, although they are starting to slow down very much at this point. But we did get a fairly big signing today. Kevin Tilly, the French outside hitter, son of French national team coach Laurent Tilly, is finally ending his time in China and coming over to Oniko Versava in the Polish Plus Liga until 2021. So, signed for a few years gives uh, Versava some stability for the near future. The outside situation will be interesting for them, though. They do have Bartosz Folek, Kevin Tilly, and Piotr Lukasik signed for next year. All three of those guys probably starter levels on most teams in the Plus Liga, so we'll see which one of them will be sent to the bench. Lukashik obviously has struggled with passing a lot in the last year or two, but he is a really athletic, really tall outside hitter. It'll be a shame to uh, see him sit on the bench for most of the season, but he does look like the odd man out with Kevin Tilly and Bartosz Folek, two very good players. Although I guess Tilly is definitely more of a defensive guy than an offensive guy, so maybe we could see some substitutions between Tilly or Lukashik depending on the matchup although it'd be strange if Tilly signed there to be coming off the bench in certain games but we'll see we'll see what they decide to do in Oniko Versava but I think either way getting Bartosz Kurek back on the team is very important although there are reports that he is far away right now right now as they're constructed you kind of struggle to see where they're going to find a lot of offense especially since they also lost Graham Vigras. Another signing that happened today was Micah Ma'a, a American setter who has been at UCLA, American University, for four years. In my opinion, one of the highest potential guys that America has right now. Insanely athletic player. And if you haven't been following the NCAA recently, he is a natural setter, played that position pretty much all of college. But due to some injuries on the wings for UCLA, he actually went and played outside hitter for the team for the last part of the season and was like unbelievably successful at it considering that he had played setter for almost all his time in college. And in that first weekend of VNL action on Team USA where he joined the team in Katowice, he played both the setter and outside hitter positions. Not really something you see a lot. Usually if a setter has a second position, they will go play opposite, but it's really hard to have the skills both to be a top-notch setter and also have the ability to pass and serve-receive at the level it takes to be a high-level outside hitter as well. So Mika Ma'a will be joining uh, Poitiers in France, in the French Liga. I guess maybe it is a little bit disappointing that he isn't joining potentially a higher-level program in a higher-level league, but I personally am pretty high on Ma'a, so I think he will quickly distinguish himself as one of the best players in France and then eventually make his way to Poland or Italy. 
Verona in Italy signed a few younger players to bolster their roster. The first one is Corey Chavers, who was a senior in the NCAA, like Micah Ma'a. Chavers played at UC Santa Barbara as an outside hitter. Good player, fairly athletic, skilled, definitely not quite at the level of the elite graduating class of Micah Ma'a, TJ DeFalco, Kyle Onsing, Josh Chuiniga, not at that level, but definitely in the tier below that. Recently, some of the second-tier American players have struggled to find a lot of playing time overseas, so we'll see what happens to Chavers, but given that Verona is looking to have a pretty good depth at the outside position, there's a chance we might not see him at all. They also signed Jennings Frankescovich, I believe is how you say it. American setter graduated from University of Hawaii a couple years ago, was in Modena for a couple years as a backup backup setter, didn't really see the court much. Not entirely sure what he did last year, I believe he took a year off, but he's decided to continue his pro volleyball career, making his way to Verona, backing up Luca Spirito. Probably won't see him a ton, but given how little we've seen him play at a high level on the international pro volleyball scene, there is a chance that Radisson Stoichev sees something that we didn't see. And then the last signing Verona completed was Asperu Asperuhov, who is a 19-year-old Bulgarian hitter. Obviously very, very young, still probably won't see any court time, but I've heard from Bulgarian fans that he is quite the prospect, very athletic guy. Radisson Stoichev tried to sign him in Szczesin last season. Obviously that didn't work out, so definitely seems like he is part of a project for Radisson Stoichev, wants to mentor him personally. Again, probably won't get much playing time, but maybe a player we can get excited about for the future. All right, anyway, that's all the transfers I'm going to talk about today. So why don't we get to talking about the Volleyball Nations League round one. So I think the way I'm going to do this is just go pool by pool, look at the results, and then I'm going to do a dream team of the seven best players and MVP an idea that was suggested by Saku Saku Isaku on Instagram, so thank you for that. So why don't we start with the pool I probably watched more than the others, and that was Brazil, Poland, Australia, and the Americans. The team that definitely looked the best in this pool was Brazil, who swept the competition. Interestingly enough, the closest game they had was against Australia, who... Man, I I was definitely rooting for Australia in that one. Sorry, Brazilian fans. That would have been a really cool upset. Jordan Richards and Sam Walker, the two outside hitters for Australia, looked awesome in that one. If I was a scout watching that game, I would definitely consider taking those guys on my team, especially the teams from Germany and France. I think both of these guys are good enough for those leagues. It was a very long game, too, with Australia winning the first set 34-32 in a really back-and-forth one, and then winning the fourth set, 29-27. Sam Walker with six aces in the game, too, really did a number on the Brazil serving line. That included Douglas Souza, Thales Haas, and for the first time in a Brazilian uniform, Yoandri Leal played in this game. I guess that was actually one of the biggest stories of Nations League, Yoandri Leal. After trying for years to get on the Brazilian national team, finally gets the okay from the Brazilian government and the FIVB to play on the team. Big, 
addition for Brazil, adding one of the most fierce hitting outsides, fierce serving outsides, fierce blocking outsides in the entire world. Great addition for them. He looked pretty good in his first season in a Brazilian uniform too. Didn't really stand out too much from the other outside hitters that were playing this weekend, Douglas Souza and Ricardo Lucarelli, who is also back after missing all of last summer from the Brazilian national team. Man, that is a dangerous group of outsides. Lucarelli, Douglas Souza, Yoandri Leal, and they still have Mauricio Borges, Lucas Lowe, and Lipe sitting on the bench. Can you imagine this is the same team that started Victor Cardosa in important games last year? Crazy how much better Brazil is when they have this huge roster of outsides. Really liked Lucarelli and Leal this weekend. Definitely going to take some time for Yoandri to fit in with the team. He didn't really look comfortable on Lube this year until a lot later on in this season. But it does help that he is playing with a lot of his former Sada Cruzeiro teammates, including Setter Cachopa. As for the rest of the pool, the Americans beat Australia and lost to Brazil and Poland. Using mostly their B team, we saw recent college graduates Josh Tuiniga, TJ DeFalco, and Mika Ma'o all get playing time this weekend, especially DeFalco and Tuaniga got a lot of playing time this weekend. Taylor Sander and Eric Shoji were the only two guys getting major minutes from the traditional U.S. starting lineup. We saw Kweka Shoji in there a bit. We saw Dustin Watt in there a bit. We saw David Smith in there a bit, but mainly those two guys. TJ DeFalco looked really good in my opinion. Obviously, he tore it up in the NCAA this season, in my opinion, was definitely the strongest player there. But you can see that that international experience that he already has really makes a difference already. He looked super comfortable out there, had a really just incredible arsenal of tips, roll shots, wipes, really fun player to watch in my opinion. And he's just gotten better over the last few years, really confident with his attacking, really smart player. I'm excited to see what he does on Team USA, even though he definitely has a lot of competition at the position. Josh Tuaniga seemed to get a lot more playing time than Mika Ma'a. I like Tuaniga. He definitely had good set placement. His serve, even at this level, seemed to throw a lot of people off. But he was definitely picked apart in blocking a lot. He's a little short for his setter. He doesn't really look it because he's also like 240 pounds. But he is only like 6'2 or 6'3, I think. Doesn't have huge vertical, so teams are really going at him at the left side. It's interesting, too, because that's something that really wasn't an issue almost at all at the college NCAA level. But just judging by this weekend, still early, still could improve a lot more. But judging just by this weekend could be a concern for Tuaniga going forward. As for Poland, as we predicted, they didn't really care too much. They did have a lot of their starters playing at home in Katowice. We saw Mikhail Kubiak playing, although he really did not look healthy at all. I think he's still a little injured. I think he was just playing basically to placate the FIVB. There's a bit of a weird situation against Brazil for Poland where Bolads left the game in the third set and they didn't really have another opposite on their roster that they were prepared to play. So actually Alex Schlifka played opposite in that match for the last two sets. So if you're like me and you actually found it really entertaining when guys have to play out of position. That's actually one of my favorite things to watch in volleyball. That was an interesting one. Unfortunately for Schlifka, should probably stick the outside, did not play his best match at opposite. 
little disappointed with Bolads. I was a big fan of his and Friedrich Schaffen. Looked like a very strong player in that league. Very athletic, can get his own shot a lot. Did not look very good this weekend with the Polish national team. Unfortunately, that may be his only tryout with Vidal Heinen. With so many other really strong Polish opposites, I'm not sure if he'll get another chance to show his stuff, which is too bad for him because I think he has had a really good career in Germany so far. So to do a quick recap of that pool, Brazil beat everyone, Poland beat the USA and Australia, the Americans beat Australia, and Australia, I thought they had a decent weekend, but they did lose all three games. In probably the least interesting pool of the weekend, we had Iran, Italy, China, and Germany. Well done to Iran for only dropping one set the entire weekend. Didn't really have the strongest competition, but they did look to be in very good form. Like we kind of predicted, Iran, one of the only teams that is using pretty much their strongest lineup almost every game. We saw a lot of time for Ibadapur. We saw a lot of time for Marouf. Saw a lot of time for Amiri Gafour, Manavi. Saw some Priya Fayazi too, someone who doesn't play internationally. So got to see a bit of their game as well. I know Iran fans are probably cheering as if they have already won the Nations League, but I wouldn't get too excited. They will have a much tougher pool next weekend. Italy actually did a little better than I expected, even though they lost that game to Iran. It was a very tight game. With all three of the sets they lost were 23-25, 23-25, 23-25. Again, like I predicted, Oresto Cavuto ended up being the go-to guy beside Oleg Antonov on the outside. Daniel Lavia, Guiacomo, Raffelli didn't quite look up to the standard of the Nations League. And even though they did lose to Iran in that first game, they managed to absolutely crush Germany and China. Gabriele Nelly looked really good for the team. Honestly, I thought he should have got a more of a chance in Trentino this year. I think he could actually be better than Luca Vittori. Maybe this showing on the international team will give him a bit more confidence and he can absolutely kill it next season in Piacenza. While Italy did look good, they were definitely held together by Simone Gianelli, who played pretty significant minutes this weekend and definitely makes that team look a lot better than the sum of their parts. Speaking of Germany though, they were actually pretty disappointing for me. I spent a lot of time talking up this German youth program and how good their young guys were, but honestly they didn't really look that great this weekend. Obviously still very young players, but guys like Sossenheimer, Moritz Richard, Tobias Crick, Noah Baxpuller definitely look outmatched. Didn't even manage to take a set off of either Iran or against Italy and looked pretty labored in that 3-2 win against China. Obviously it's only one weekend and these guys are still really young but I thought we definitely could have seen a big surprise win by this group against either Iran or Italy and the fact that they weren't even close at any point was a little bit disappointing. The next group which I watched quite a bit of was Canada, Argentina, Portugal, and Bulgaria. And I will warn you guys, if you don't know, I am Canadian, so take anything with Team of Canada with a slight grain of salt throughout all the podcasts this summer because I try not to be biased, but it definitely bleeds through at some points. 
And I'll start off with a potentially biased standpoint, but Canada played what will probably be one of the worst games of VNL against Bulgaria, losing 3-1. to This is not Bulgaria's strongest lineup, and Canada was using a lot of national team starters, so in my opinion, it should have been a pretty solid victory. But Canada with a ton of errors, especially from outside hitter Stephen Marr, who just, for some reason, didn't really seem to have it going this game. Usually a guy who can dominate most opponents physically, but in this one was not able to really get the ball to the floor. Just an overall poor performance from Canada. Obviously have to give some credit to Bulgaria for playing a good game. Nikolay Uchikov definitely played one of the better games I've, I've seen him play recently. Nobody could really stop him, which is impressive for a guy that usually plays himself out of the game. But a huge win for Bulgaria. Big sigh of relief beating another challenger team in Canada. They pretty easily could have gone 0-3 this weekend as well because they lost to Portugal, which was Portugal's only win, and also got pretty much obliterated by Argentina as well. So I think the challenger race could actually be kind of exciting this year. Portugal and Australia are definitely the two favorites to be relegated. Canada, I think, will pretty much 100% be safe, but Bulgaria has to watch out. If Sveden Sokolov, Yosefov, and Nikolov don't come back at any point, things could get a bit dicey for the Bulgarians. I think Portugal is definitely a better competitor than Korea was last year, so there's no GOAT that's just going to lose pretty much every match and make it really easy for the rest of the challenger team. So Bulgaria has to watch out. In the rest of the pool games, Canada did win against both Portugal and Argentina fairly easily. The game with Argentina definitely had its moments. It was actually a pretty epic game for a four-setter. Lots of crazy defense. Actually, maybe one of the best games of this round, but Canada coming out with a 3-1 win. Conte, Soleil, and Denani looking really good for Argentina, though. Portugal, in their first round of the Nations League ever, had a decent showing. Like I said on my preview podcast, the two big names that definitely looked like the best players on the team were Miguel Taveras and Alexander Ferreira, definitely the two go-to guys, but Alexander Ferreira's brother, Marco, also was definitely a feature player for Portugal. Unfortunately, their middles were just incredibly overmatched in every game. They barely even slowed down the opponent's middles, let alone got out to the wings to slow down opposing wing players. So that is going to be the biggest issue for Portugal going forward. The offense looks all right, but the defense really needs a lot of work. Also something I didn't mention on the preview podcast because I didn't notice it before, but I'm kind of questioning the fact that Ivo Cassis is not on the roster. One of the Portuguese players that I enjoyed watching the most, he's been Benefica's starting libero for the past five years, really impressed me in every game that I've watched, mostly in the CEV Challengers Cup. Definitely looked better than the guys they had in this weekend, so not really sure why he was not a part of Portugal's Nations League roster, maybe injured, but if he was not selected for skill level, I don't know if I agree with that decision. So to recap, this pool, both Argentina and Canada went 2-1, and one. Probably both remain in Final 6 contention, although both of them dropping games that they probably would have hoped to win if they were to make Final 6. And then Portugal and Bulgaria both going 1 and 2 
and it looks like the goal for both of those teams will be to avoid relegation rather than making final six. And then the last pool of this opening weekend for Nations League contained France, Russia, Serbia, and Japan. Also a pretty fun pool to watch. We got some great games between Russia and Japan, Russia and France, France and Japan. And even though Serbia was a bit of a disappointment because they didn't send a single one of their starting national team players, they actually gave Russia a really fun game on the Sunday. France went 3-0 on the weekend and did so in a pretty chill French fashion. No Boyer, no LaRue, no Taniyuti, but still managed to beat a couple of pretty good teams in Russia and Japan. Antoine Broussard looked really good this weekend. Jean Patrie looked really good this weekend. It did help having Grupenikov solidify the passing line, and it also did help that all of France's backup outsides are still like really top-tier players in Trevor Cleveneau, Thibaut Rossard, Julien Lineal, Yassine Louati, and Kevin Tilly. Like, those are five outsides who are all on really good club teams, really high-level players. So even though I guess technically they're playing a lot of their bench players, no Angapet as well, still a really elite team that showed it this weekend. Also probably one of the best teams to follow on social media. A lot of these players are pretty hilarious, have funny Instagram stories, funny interviews, things like that. So I would recommend, especially Kevin Tilly, he is a riot on Instagram if you want to follow that. Russia, even though they did lose to France, looked pretty good other than that. Igor Kliuka had a huge weekend, I believe was the leading scorer among everyone this weekend with 64 points. Victor Politev got the start like we predicted, although he didn't really look quite as dominant as he did in that amazing run by Kemarovo. I think one of my predictions for the summer is that obviously the players from Kemarovo, they were all really strong, but I think that was a bit of a Cinderella run, and I don't think those Russian guys will be quite at the level that they were for Kemarovo during the national team season. Kobzar also, in addition to Politev, did not look quite as good as he did during that run but overall a good weekend for Russia it seems like they should be totally fine resting Mikhailov, Buko, Grankin all those guys however I did say that their libero position could be an issue this summer and it did look like a bit of an issue Valentin Golubev is not even close to on the same level as Alexei Verbov was and apparently Verbov you know he took one look at this team and he's like Hmm, maybe I better come out of retirement for 2020 Tokyo. So we'll see how that story unfolds. Because, yeah, I have, I have heard from a couple different people that Verbov is considering coming out of retirement. Japan was also a really fun team to watch this weekend. However, they are splitting the minutes and playing time up a lot. Like a lot of the gauntlet European teams that have a really crazy summer volleyball. Not really sure why Japan is doing it, considering they have an automatically qualified Olympic birth as they are the hosts they don't have Eurovolley to play this summer and they are playing the world cup at home which i think is their only other tournament other than the asian continental championship so not sure why they aren't going a bit harder at nations league i think if they played their best lineup they would actually have an outside shot and making final six we could see this weekend that having yuki ishikawa play just makes this team a completely different animal he adds so much to that team 
both from serving and in the attacking department. Without him, they're just a little flaccid offensively, so I do understand wanting to give him rest, but I think they definitely could have beat Russia in that game had Yuki Ishikawa played. Kind of a same thing to a lesser extent with Yuji Nishida. I understand just in general wanting to rest your players a bit, especially in a tournament with not the biggest stakes like the Volleyball Nations League, but with a team maybe in the entire tournament with the least on the line, I would have liked to see the starters play a bit more. And then Serbia did give Russia a really fun game, but other than that, they didn't bring any of their starters. A lot of young players, but none of them looked particularly impressive. David Mehik, the outside hitter, was the only one who I maybe could say has some potential going forward, but honestly nothing super impressive from the young Serbians, which makes sense given they haven't really been placing very high European youth championships recently. Their two best players were definitely Krizmanovic and Oklic, the two middles, who I said in my preview that would be starting on a lot of teams, and I still believe that they're very strong players in the middle, but weren't really supported by the rest of their team. So that's all four pools. Nothing too crazy so far. Still very early in the tournament. I'm sure more storylines will start to develop as the weeks go forward. So I'm also going to do that dream team I suggested earlier in the podcast. Kind of do position by position, but also have an MVP. So at outside hitter, I have Ricardo Lucarelli and Yuki Ishikawa. Both of them only playing two out of the possible three games, but you could tell the difference that they made to their respective teams in Brazil and Japan. Just insane. Both players actually, I think, are a lot more similar than people realize. Really athletic guys who kind of can do everything on the court, pass really well, serve really well, hit really well. Lucarelli, definitely a bit more dynamic as an attacker, a little more solid as a blocker, but both players who are comfortable attacking from anywhere on the court, attacking from any angle. Neither of them really tip or wipe or have any kind of switch-up game, but when you have an arm swing that is that hard, don't really need to. Four middle blockers on the dream team for VNL Weekend 1, Sayed Musavi from Iran and Mateusz Biniak from Poland. Musavi and Maruf just have such a beautiful connection. You can tell they've been playing together for so long. Maruf clearly didn't have that connection with the middles on Siena this year, which limited his effectiveness a bit, but when he's with a middle he's comfortable with, that is a dangerous combination. Musavi not someone who you get to watch a lot at the club level because he does play in Iran, so it's really fun to watch on the Iranian national team when we actually do get to watch him play. Matej Binik just has impressed me so much. I've tried to predict whether he's going to spin or float on those serves, and man, that is really hard to do. That two-handed toss hybrid serve really uncommon. I don't know if anyone else does it, and he has just been attacking like a maniac recently. I believe the most efficient attacker in the Palouse League last season, and you can see why. Not only does he hit the ball really hard, but he really opens up his wrist to find really good angles and just has a knack for finding the last kind of couple feet of the court. Opposite was a tough one to choose this week. There were a lot of good players, but no one really that great, but I would have to go with Gabrielli Nelly as the most impressive opposite this weekend. Really physical player. Like I said earlier, he was underutilized in Trentino, but him and Gianelli clearly have a great connection. 
he was able to overwhelm the less experienced and less athletic blockers from Germany and China. And his serve was actually looking really nice this weekend, which is something that he's not always the most consistent with. But as an opposite, your serving is super important, getting those aces. So I don't think I've seen his serving look this good, and hopefully he can continue it going forward. Libero, I'd have to say Santiago Dinani was my most impressive libero. I watched a lot of the Argentina games this weekend, and man, that guy picks up everything. You cannot get a ball past him. Even a lot of middle hits, which very few players can pick up going at that speed. Santiago Dinani, super, super quick reflexes and reaction time, manages to pick them up. Also a very good passer too, so I, I'm excited to see how he can help the offense run by Luciano DiCeco, who is one of the best in-system setters in the entire world. And then your MVP for VNL Weekend 1, gotta be Igor Kliuka, the 6'10 outside hitter from Russia, led Russia to a 2-1 record on the weekend, only losing to France, but Kliuka was definitely not the reason for losing any sets this weekend, scored on almost everything. Passing looks a bit better than it did last summer as well, and one thing I really like about Kliuka, even though he's very tall and very athletic for an outside hitter, he doesn't always hit the ball super hard. If he has an advantage on a blocker, a lot of times he'll go to a tip or roll shot because everyone is expecting him to bang the ball. But once you have that advantage established on maybe a late blocker or a shorter blocker, you will have a lot of ways to score. And I think Igor Kluka realizes that and uses it to keep opponents off guard and score a lot of points for Russia. And of course, all the aces he had this weekend helps. All the blocks he had this weekend helps. Being 6'10 really helps with the blocking on the wings. Not a fun player to go up against as an opposing opposite hitter. So Igor Kliuka, I think he's the better player of the Volkov-Kliuka duo. Both very good, but I think Kliuka is the better player, and he gets my MVP for Weekend 1. So that is the full recap for Weekend 1 of the Volleyball Nations League. Pretty fun tournament. Like we predicted, a lot of teams are sitting players not everyone's playing but honestly i don't think it mattered too much except for a couple of circumstances like germany and serbia i think most teams had pretty strong starting lineups so i'm really looking forward to weekend two i will be doing a separate podcast previewing the matchups in weekend two that'll be later on this week i think i might try and think of something else to do too because i don't know if a preview would take up an entire podcast also, I will actually be attending the Nations League in person in Ottawa this weekend, so I will be having some first-person reports from some of the games. The pool I'm going to has Canada, Germany, Serbia, and Australia. So hopefully I have some good stories to tell you guys after that weekend, and if you guys are in town, send me a message on Instagram at 51VB. Maybe we can talk some volleyball. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying Volleyball Nations League because I definitely am. It's so much fun to just take the weekend, pretty much watch volleyball the entire time. Wall-to-wall volleyball, really fun. And I'm looking forward to the craziness of seeing it in person next weekend. Thanks.